How is your prayer life? If you are like most of us, it has seasons and sometimes lacks consistency. Prayer, faith, and holiness are key to reaching your destiny. Join Prophet Nanaseyo Pukusakori as he encourages the body of Christ to get closer to God in prayer. One of the nature of Christ is love. There are two things on earth that is so practiced in heaven. The language in heaven is faith and the character is love. Because God called the things which be not as though they were. So God obeyed by faith. When Jesus cast the fig tree and the disciples say, Master, the fig tree you cast is with away. He said, have faith in God. It means that the literal translation says, have the God kind of faith. The God kind of faith believes in what he said. In the book of Genesis, Genesis is the handiwork of God. Revelation and Ephesians talk about the predestiny or predictions of what is about to happen. Them that he predestined, he called. So God is an architect. The architect doesn't build, but he put the drawing on the paper for the builder to use the drawing to build. So God imagined how the world is going to be. And in Genesis, he started calling them. So you see two things there, and God said and God saw. And God said and God saw. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let the sea come, and the sea came. So in the faith operation, you must say it and believe that you will see it. Prophet Nanaseo Pukuksakodie is an end-time season firebrand prophet and an evangelist with a unique preaching ministry, anchored on prayer. He teaches and prophesies the word of God with signs and wonders. And now, Prophet Nanase Opokusakodie. Well, we are still on the journey of generational blessing. Hallelujah. I don't think it's a subject you should take light at all. This night, I'm going to deal with retrieving stolen blessing. Amen. Whether you like it or not, since the day you were born up to now, something has been stolen from you. Hallelujah. Only God can tell. Amen. A blessing is a blessing. Tell somebody a blessing is a blessing. Remember, I started by telling you in the realms of the spirit, there's no neutral line. There's nothing like I'm cursed more and I'm blessed more. It doesn't work. Either you are blessed, either you are there or you are here. So you have to make a choice. I've said before you, life and death, blessings and cursing, choose life. Amen. Uh, is it interesting that God loves us so much that he made a choice for us? Hallelujah. Now, if you look at everybody God calls in the Bible, he blesses them. Everybody. God, in the Garden of Eden, blessed Adam. Part of the covenant right is he be fruitful and multiply, replenish, subdue, have dominion. It was a blessing. Amen. He called Noah. The same blessing he pronounced on Adam. You see, when the Adamic covenant failed, he restored it by calling Noah. At that time, he also destroyed everybody in the earth with water and left Noah and his three sons and their wife. And Noah himself, his wife. So eight people were in the ark, plus all two kinds of animals that God has created. Now, when you go back and check the Bible carefully, you realize that the same blessing that God gave to Adam is the same thing he pronounced on Noah. So the Nohanic blessing and the Adamic blessing, he told Noah after the flood that be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion. Amen. Then from there, she landed on Abraham. So through Noah's lie, she came from the dispensation of government because she was to rearrange things again. And then started with the dispensation of promise. That is Abraham. The whole thing about Abrahamic covenant is about promise. So he picked Abraham from the descendants of Shem. 
one of Shem is the firstborn of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then you trace it back, 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 back in Genesis chapter 11. Then she picked Abraham out of an idol worship background. According to the Bible, they were living in the air of Chaldees. Abraham actually was from Mesopotamia or those days. So when you trace Abraham actually, you would trace Abraham to Iraq, the present day Iraq. So that's where he was coming from. God picked him. Abraham was not a Jew. He became a Jew by faith. So he converted to the Hebrew and he became a Hebrew by faith. Uh, one day I will show you in the course of the teaching, the first time the name Hebrew was connected to Abraham. So from there, God, baba, baba, and trace. When God called him, it was in Genesis chapter 12. From verse number one, that God started calling Abraham. And then he came back and said that. And now the Lord has said to Abraham, get thee out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house onto a land that I will show you. So actually, that is where the Abrahamic blessing actually started from. Hallelujah. There are actually seven stages of the Abrahamic blessing. The first one is that uh, it follows in the seven successive stages according to God's will and plan for his life. The first one was that I will make of you a great nation. Mm? So, if you look at it, I will make of thee. That's verse number two. Get thee out of your father's house and your mother. Go to a land I will show you. Then from verse two, he started pronouncing the flag. The first one is that I will make of thee a great nation. That's the first thing he said. You could see it there. The second one is that I will bless you. Mm? So, I will make of thee a great nation. Comma, I will bless thee. Comma. The comma you see there means that every one of them is a package. So, I will make of thee a great nation. That is not the end. Then he came back and said, I will bless thee. So, there were seven blessings over there. Once you see seven, God is in it. <laughs> Amen. So, I will make of thee a great nation. The first one is, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. The next one is that, I will make your name great. Have you seen the comma there? I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. And I'll make your name great. If you don't take your time to read the Bible, you will not understand. When you read the Bible, all the comments and the full stop and the inverted comment, they all are telling you something. They are explaining something to you. Are you getting it? If you don't take care, you will put all of them together. Now, you can be a great nation and not be blessed. It's like you can have a name and not be rich. You can even have a name in a negative way. Amen? There was a guy, the policeman pressed his, knife, his leg on his neck who died. He's called George Floyd or something. Everybody knows him. It doesn't mean he's rich. You are not listening to me. Mm -hmm. You can even become great and not necessarily be wealthy. So if you look at God's blessing, make sure that you don't take some and leave some. You can even be wise and be poor. It's in the Bible. There was a poor wise man. So wisdom necessarily does not activate riches. It has to come from God. So the seven blessing is that I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. That's the second one. I will make your name great. Not your title, your name. Let me say that again. Not your title, your name. There's no name for you to be called professor doctor when you are broke. It's totally unnecessary. Amen. If you look at some of the American culture, they don't even add your title to your name. They can say Barack Obama, Trump. But it does not change the man's pocket. 
You don't hear Professor Dr. Emeritus Bill Gates, but the guy is worthy. Some of you are looking for titles. Call me Mrs. It doesn't add anything to your destiny. Hallelujah. Look, learn something from it. God say, I will not make your title great. Your name. There are names on it. What do you mention? Everybody knows. In fact, when you go with that name, a door will be open for you. There are names who you mention. Everybody will run away from you. Osama Biladi. Everybody say, huh? <laughs> Can you imagine somebody is coming to marry? When they come, your father's voice, your name is, my name is Osama. Immediately, your father will disown you. Hmm? Are you getting what I'm talking about? Huh? Saddam will say, it's not a name. Hallelujah. So God told Abraham, number one, seven blessings. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make your name great. Ah, may the Lord make your name great. The next one is that you shall be a blessing. You shall be, and thou shall be what? A blessing. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Huh? Comma. I will curse those who curse you. Comma. So, how many of I mentioned? I will bless those who bless you. It's number five. I will curse those who curse you. It's number six. So, do, the two of them are not together. Hmm? That is why I said, I told you that God left <laughs> a session of divine protection on the blessing. Because for some reason, God could have said, I will bless those who bless you and left it there. Then he protected the thing by saying, anybody that make attempt to curse you is in trouble. So listen, the only way not to be cursed is make sure you don't curse Abraham. So that is why when you hate the Jewish people, you come under a curse. The reason is that the scriptures cannot be broken. If you hate them, you come under a curse. Because God transferred the thing on generations. He said that I will curse them that curse you. I'm going to curse everybody that make attempt to curse you. Huh? And in you, in you shall, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's the seventh blessing. So let's count them. Number one, what's the first one? I'll make of thee a great nation. I will bless you, number three. Number two, number three, I will make your name great. Am I correct? Number four, and you shall be a blessing. Number five, I will bless those who bless you. Number six, I will curse those who curse you. Number seven, and in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Seven blessings of Abraham. Amen. Once you see seven, God is in it. Once you see seven, it's a perfect number. It is seed. It cannot be reversed. This one unfolds God's seven destiny for Abraham. So the seven blessings shows that Abraham was walking in seven unfold blessings of God to Abraham. That is the way God did it. He just packed the thing in seven and gave it to Abraham. But notice the sixth phase of God's God call is curse on everyone who curses Abraham. I want you to take notice of that way. That means when God calls a man to a special task, that man automatically becomes a target for Satan's special enmity. When God calls you, some of you, the reason why the devil hates you is because of your calling. The reason why you are going through the things you are going through is because of your destiny. So sometimes uh, great destinies attract battles. If you see somebody that there is a lot of battles surrounding their destiny, if, 
Look at somebody like Moses. Right from the time of his birth, there was a battle. In fact, Moses survived at a time where there was a death sentence on every male child. At the time Moses was born, there was a law in the country where he lived that every male child must die. Interestingly, God orchestrated it in a way that she went up, finally was put in a swimming pool of the people that make the law. And then uh, his sister came to the, the queen's, the king's daughter was coming to swim. And then he saw Moses. When he saw Moses, his sister ran from the bush. All these things are not normal. They are orchestrated by God. If God's hand is not in it, Moses could have died. It means that God can give you favor before your enemies. These are the benefits of serving the Lord. Amen. Let me tell you something. If the thing is from the Lord, don't worry about the process. You will take care of it. Don't ever worry to, don't wake up and think about how will I defeat my enemies? Leave that one for God. Can you imagine that Moses' mother was feeding and taking care of his own child without paying anything? And you, you, let me give you a picture because some of you, the way you read the Bible, if you don't bring the picture to your present time, you understand. It is like the American president make a law that every child should die. Every baby boy. And then now, President Trump's daughter went to swim and saw a baby boy that's supposed to die and picked the boy. And went to tell his father that every child must die, but this particular boy, I want to keep the boy. The father said, anyway, keep the boy. Because the father loves. At that time, Pharaoh didn't have a son. So actually, according to the Bible, Moses was being groomed to become the next Pharaoh. That was the adoption. Now watch this. Then the woman was called. When he was called, there was no connection that he was his son. He just said that, please, can you take care of this young boy for me? I will pay you everything. So you can imagine the White House bringing food to your house. You can imagine the convoy bringing food. This is a standing order from Walmart. Whatever you need, it must be provided. You can imagine. So this woman is taking care of his own son, paying nothing. And they are paying her to take care of his son. So Moses' mother wake up and they will tell you that, go to Bank of America every month, 100,000 US dollars with all kinds of things in addition and take care of the boy for me. And the people didn't know that it's the woman's biological son. Because if they know it, they won't give the child to the woman because they will say that he might probably run away. So they thought he was a caretaker, but in the silence, he was his own daughter, son. So actually, the favor of God that traveled, they make Moses' mother receive a salary, receive SMA milk, receive latoji, serelac, anything you need, beach nut baby food, diapers, uh, name them. I mean, I'm sure they even broke his house down and built a new one for him. For her because of the child. No, where you live, we don't like it. This is a presidential child. And then we need, okay, we call a uh, minister of information, uh, call minister of uh, trade and industry. Uh, a self-contained must be built in, next, in the next four, four weeks. Make sure that it's built in a way that will house the boy. Please call the best carpenter to do the best baby squat. Everything. I mean, you are there and you can see articulator come. All they are doing, they are offloading things. All they are doing, they are built a storehouse for you, build a new kitchen for you. And all the woman buys, he bypass there to come and take, see the child. 
how is my baby doing? And then it's fine. Do you need anything else? No, everything is here. And then, if you once you say you don't need anything, they are still bringing more things. How many women want to walk in that kind of favor? Oh, wow. Please, go and put your son at the river there. And let's see what God will do with that particular. It has to start from there. So get pregnant, give birth. Just make sure you see the river that water. Just put your son there. You will find a child at the sea. <laughs> Amen. But that is what the favor of God can do. I'm telling you. This God, one another powerful scripture you must also stand on is that whoever you are going to see in life, it doesn't matter how stubborn the person, know that the heart of every man is in the hands of God. It means that God has power to, oh Jesus, you are not listening to what I'm talking about. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hands of God. So God can actually turn what is happening to Moses and his mother and Pharaoh's daughter. God has turned heart. Heart has been turned. One day he turned the heart of every country. The whole people in the heart, he turned their, he turned their heart. Israel was leaving the country. God said, go and borrow from them. Borrow. Now, it's a mystery to me up to now. That you will lend your gold and diamond to people you know they are going, they are not coming back. How do you lend? That's the word God said, go and borrow from them. So they didn't went there and it's like, give us, they say, okay, I want to lend your gold, give it to me, I'll bring it back. And the people are not coming back. The Bible said, by the time they finished, the Bible said, they spoiled the Egyptians. All the wealth of Egypt was transferred to Israel in less than two hours. So everybody in the country, God turned their heart. Towards a heart of favor towards one people. And they took all their wealth, money, gold, bronze, diamond. I mean, if you are there, which house will you go? You can imagine. I will move around airport residential area towards the East Legon around that place. And you know, you know where to go, you know. Will, will you go to Sodom and Gomorrah? Go there. Go there. I mean, some places in Egypt were choke. What about those who had access to the palace? Went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, bring all your gold. I'm sure Moses himself went there. Moses went there and said, hey, you know me. Please, I'm leaving. Bring the gold. It, it's too much. So don't worry. The, the, the thing is that uh, we don't want to stand on authority of God's word, so we are struggling. And another problem too we have is that when we are looking for a breakthrough, we try to figure out how God will do it. And because you are figuring it out, you will come out with discouragement. Because it will look very impossible. If Sarah is trying to figure out how she's going to be pregnant in the state of menopause times two, she'll be confused. No wonder he laughed. She laughed. When God said it, he heard it and he laughed. God said that Sarah is laughing at me, so I didn't laugh. No, anyway, nobody wants to be bold to tell God I'm laughing. She lied. But the thing is that she was laughing. Because Sarah said, now that my husband has no pleasure, she was trying to figure out how you are going to work on this old body and old man's body and old woman's body to bring a child. But that is not your job. When God says go, the rest will be there. Don't try to figure out how you are going to sweep. 
Because you, when you see the rest swimming, you don't know swimming. The first thing you say, that Lord, that is why they started. Did you bring us to come and kill us? And what is it? We should have stayed in Egypt. Because you are trying to figure out. When you meet an obstacle, don't be afraid. <laughs> you see, the spirit we are staying here in Portese is a very interesting spirit because... I never think about whoever is an enemy. When I started this place, uh, we dig a foundation, the Lord said, this place is for the rise and fall of everybody. Anybody that, anybody that is for it, rise with it. Anybody that is against this place, fall for it. So if you are an enemy to protest, you come direct against God. The battle is not about prophet. And take me out. This is not my job. Hallelujah. Once you got, it's like God said, I will curse everybody that curse you. The mistake you make is to curse Abraham. It will be a very strong counter-reaction on your life. So trying to curse Abraham is a trouble. Now look at it. No wonder when one chief wanted to kill his wife. You see, when the Abimelech tried to take his wife, he came under the curse. The reason God intervened is that a word is on the guy's head. And the word is that for you to take the man's wife, Jesus Christ. For you to take his wife, it means that God has go against his word. This Abimelech is not even curse you. She is just acting. Based on Abraham's lies, yes, the God intervened. So if, if you see people who have a covenant with God, even in their mistake, be careful the way you touch them. Don't ever touch a man because you think he has made a mistake so he's weak. No. The man may be weak, but his God is not weak. You see, some people in the Bible, they are very smart. You could see. And one of the smart guys in the Bible is David. David said that. I will never touch so. He said, no. Oh, his lieutenant told him, he said, oh, now your enemy has been delivered into your hand. Pierce him. <laughs> One day, God gave me a revelation about that thing. You see, if you see anybody that is touching the anointed, he's never anointed. You don't know what is anointing. I am very sure. When, you see, the same person that anointed Saul is the same person that anointed David. All of them came under the same prophetic anointing. Now, I am sure when the oil was poured on David's head, the Bible actually said the spirit of the Lord descended upon him. We didn't see that, but God saw it. All his family saw was a chemistry on his head. But they never saw the spirit. But I'm very sure. It's not in the Bible, but I'm sure. What David felt after the oil was poured on him, she concluded that if Saul felt the same thing I felt, then don't touch this guy. That is why I said that. If you are not anointed, that is why you touch the anointed. Me, I will never touch a man of God because I know how the anointing works. I, I, I will never make the man of God an enemy, talk about him or bring him down, no, no matter how. Now, even David says, so in his falling stage, he said, you cannot, the guy, the Amalekite that killed Saul, David killed him. David cut him into pieces. He said, are you not afraid to touch the Lord's anointed? Because you see, the gift and the callings of God, they are without repentance. When God gives people something, they give them. I am sure if David killed Saul, he could have also been killed. The guy refused to sow a wrong seed. 
he felt it that the kind of anointing when somewhere poured the oil on me, what I felt, if that is the same thing Saul felt, then nobody should touch him. Even his mistake. Because even David himself, he made more mistakes than Saul, but he survived. David made a lot of mistakes, I'm telling you. Women mistake trouble. One day, Jesus even quoted that David went to the temple and ate the showbread, which was not supposed to eat. That when he was supposed to die, but he survived. He survived Goliath. One of the things that amazed me he survived is when the whole president and the army was looking for him and he survived. When he sinned, God said that I deliver you from the hands of Saul. It means that it is God. If it's not God, listen, if the president of this country and the whole army is looking for you, you cannot escape. Even the police. Recently, some, some guy, they, they call them some name, in voter region, successes or something, whatever they call them. Huh? They went there to ransack a police and then took guns. Do you know the police had retrieved all the guns? Do you know that the last you know I heard from Joy News, they've arrested the guys, they cut them, the guy went, they, they dig a hole and put the gun, they, they brought all of them back. No, I'm telling you, that is the police. Oh. By the time you bring the army in, it's another trouble. Now, whoever they are, the police was able to do their investigation. Eh? The police, eh, I'm telling you, don't play with Ghana police. Huh? How the people went there to the police and took the guns. They, went to, they, retrieved, they have retrieved all the equipment. They've arrested them. Amen. So, you can imagine the military. Now, when you say the military, we are talking about the Air Force, Armed Force, and Naval Base. All of them. If they are chasing one man, how will you escape? But David survived. David survived the military of the whole country with their president. Saul himself was a commanding chasing. One day, Saul was sleeping, snoring, and his bodyguards to snore, and David went to cut his dress. Even that one, when David finished cutting the dress, the Bible says his heart smoothing. That is why David never touched him. He said his heart smoothing for Touching the garment of the anointed dress. Something was running inside his heart that because the dress Saul was wearing is a normal one. So his heart was smoothing him for touching it. So you could have told the guys that if he cutting the dress, if he striking, what about killing him? At that time, eh, there was a rumor that the spirit of God has departed from him. And so if you don't take care, that is why I'm telling you that. If it's, it's, it's in your own good never to touch a man of God. No matter even you think he has done, oh, you hear rumor this person has committed fornication, stay away from it. Stay away. You two have committed some before. Stay away. Looking at your own trouble, don't, justi don't ever justify yourself to condemn people. Because if God go to your archives and pull your CV, the things written on it, ay, 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 ay. stay away from those things. Forever, never be part of people who talk about men of God. When you see, especially that they have the evidence of the anointing, stay away from it. Tell them I'm not interested. Leave them for their God. Let the God that called them deal with them. The best you can do is to pray for them. Amen. Yeah. Do you know something? There is something sad about the kingdom. Even this morning, when I wake up, I was praying. God brought it. He said, Pray for this so so and so. He mentioned, so I was praying for the person. He said that we are the only army that give our victims for lynching. It means that when we go for war and one person becomes a casualty, we leave the person to be destroyed. Even politicians don't do that. No. The American soldier 
has some, some, they have this slogan, no soldier is left behind. Even their dead body, they'll bring them. They will bring everyone behind. We are the only people, one person make a mistake. We will leave the person for the devil to lynch the person. And we'll be clapping for the person being lynched. One of the prayers you should pray more in this fasting for the body of Christ is pray for unity. And pray that the spirit of unnecessary competition will be destroyed. Unnecessary. No. Competitive spirit is what makes pastors don't like other pastors. Forgotten that anything God has called one pastor to do, you can't do it. No. No. Some pastors will criticize us of fasting this long. But the reason we are doing it is that that is our calling. The reason why you are eating is that that is your calling. It's not every pastor. Yeah? There is a great American evangelist. Miracles. The first time we were sitting at the table, he said that he has never fasted for more than three days. I was shocked. I said, Lord, so me, this plenty of fasting, why? That's when the Lord came to me and said, it is not your calling. That is your calling, the fivefold ministry. That is his assignment. The kind of things I've called him to do, he doesn't need fasting to do it. He operates by the gift of healing. Huh? And he just has to do it by you. Your calling is this. Anna and Simon, they are full-time fasting children of God in the kingdom. Anna was a belief. She became a widow at the age of 40. He never married again. And the Bible says he was always in the temple fasting and praying. So there are people in the kingdom and they are full-time job is fasting and prayer. you try to compare yourself to another person's calling, you will kill the grace God has put on your life. I can't compare my calling to anybody. No, I can't. Let them do it. They are doing their own. I'm doing my own. You don't worry yourself about people God has not called you for. It's not everybody God called me for. No. It's not everybody. There are certain number of people. Huh? Every man of God, there is a session of people God will attract your ministry to. But pray for the unity of the body. It's part of the blessing we are talking about. The generational blessing. Eh? You know Jesus prayed for the church. He said, let them be one even as we are one. I'm telling you. The, that prayer, eh, it is here to be answered. The division in the body. The way we can give one another. I'm telling you. Pray. One of, the, one of the best things the Potter's family can do is that you must love one another. We have to love one another. It's very important because we are fighting a common enemy. Whether you like it or not, the devil after you is the devil after me. And the devil after your sister is the devil after your brother. So we, it is better we come. Unity we stand. Divided we fall. And the devil has succeeded it. I'm telling you. If you see pastors, those who encourage us, they encourage us. Some of them will call us once in a while. Some fathers will call me and say, Prof, thanks very much for all these prayers you are praying. I believe he's saving the nation. Ah, There are churches that once you are not doing things like them, you are not from God. So they boss God into their world. If God is not this, then it's not God. Because God has not changed. Man does not change. But the relationship between God and man changes as the years go by. Knowledge. No. Today that week has come. Uh, Auntie Lizzie 
Brazilian hair, India hair, who should tie his hair? No. There's nothing wrong. Do it according to the standard of what you understand. But it's a blessing to have a broad knowledge about the kingdom. That you don't box God into your world. Because God is bigger than your world. It's a blessing. God is bigger than your world. Hallelujah. Hey. I say God is bigger than Miocho Pram Pram. Hey. May the Lord give you exposure as part of your blessing. You would, when you start traveling, you see people worship God differently. It's not everybody that sings, they don't do things like that. I was in a white church when the presence of God came. They are worship. They call it vertical. Whilst they are worshiping, they will put off the, the lights and then they will live like the spotlights. The place become like dark small, like disco. And then the music will play quiet. And people will be kneeling down. And you could see the atmosphere as if the Holy Ghost has come to sit there. And presence. The vertical means that only God don't be distracted. And you see there. Their style is not our own. No. When you preach and you say people should keep quiet, they will. We can't. <laughs> that is why nowadays God doesn't speak to people. People don't know how to pick them. Those days in Israel, there is a place of which there's a place of quietness. Then we hear back what God has said. Today we can't do that. You go to South Korea, Dr. Cho's said their worship is totally different. If you are boxed in your world, you would think that God is a portarian. And apart from God, anybody that don't do it this way, the person is not from God. Amen. Do you know we are not the first people to fast 100 days? Maybe it's the first people I've seen in Ghana. But other countries have been doing it. I heard of a church who fasted for one year. 365 days from January to the end they were fasting. I started with you from 10 days. Those days it been about maximum. Then small, small, we came to, I think, 14 days. Then we moved and we tried 40. And almost Then I came with 70. Now I brought you to 100. Where are we going? I will tell you when we get there. <laughs> and I'm not bothered. I am not interested in what people are talking you see, don't, don't worry. You, you want the blessing that I'm preaching. Don't worry yourself about what people are saying. Concentrate on God. Your assignment is different. The prayer we are praying, God knows what he's using it for. We cannot be like everybody else. No. The church is like the tribe. There are 12 tribes of Israel. So, and there are 12 apostles. All the apostolic signs, Peter, James, John, they all represent a certain church. Now, the tribe say, this lady, you see his scarf, the way he has this beautiful scarf, eh, it's a tribe. This one, the way she's dressed, it's a tribe. Eh? The way this one is dressed, it's a tribe. This tribe cannot condemn this. So, the tribe of Benjamin will not do their things like the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh. 
They are all different. Huh? That is what Paul said. They are diversities of gift, but the same spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same God is the one that rules. The important thing is that what I'm doing, check whether it's the spirit of God. Once the Holy Ghost is in it, leave it. No. I have seen some my 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 father's hometown people preach about set trousers a gem straight. Hey, they have bossed God. People, some people come to church when they see women wearing trousers, they think they are going to hell. Hey, you go to another culture, the trousers wearing is their culture. It's culture. I've seen anointed women wearing trousers and preaching, healing the sick. So is God taking them to hell? No. And most of the people preaching like that, eh, that they make women wear mazi. A German semper inside the mazi. This is not about dresses, about your heart. Amen. You can wear everything and cover your head. It will really lift your eyes. It does not mean you are pure. I say, may the Lord give you a sposa or a sposa. Can Scotland men go to heaven for wearing skirt? <laughs> I think this guy called John Knox, I think he was from Scotland, Anambua. Scotland, that guy, he said, give me, what did he say? Give me Scotland lest I die. Is that the guy that said that? I'm telling you. The Queen of England was afraid of the prayers of John Knox than the armies of the Nazis. These are guys saying they were wearing skirt and praying for revival. Skirt, John Knox, go and read church history. Skirt man. Indian. If you don't take it, you think God is your environment. God is bigger than your environment. Go to Kenya, they are Maasai serving the Lord with big, big earrings in their ears, but very spiritual. Amen. <laughs> You'll be surprised to see some spiritual people in some Arab countries. May you be blessed. I say, may you walk in blessings. Why are you going to the dimension? When you start getting blessed, your, your, your mindset changes. The first step of the generational blessing is that a mindset must change. And I've preached that one. It must change. If you don't think different from the way your family think, you can never be different from them. Today I was thinking about something. Listen, I'm expecting my children to marry their, their spouses, my daughters. They should marry their husbands and my son should marry his wife better than I marry their mother. Because I marry my wife better than my father marry my mother. So we must serve God in a way that the generation going, things should get better. That is what is called generational blessing. No. If, if my marriage is worse than my father, hey! Then I'm the worst of all. The reason why your marriage is almost like your father is that your mindset has not changed. My mindset has changed. I cannot marry my wife the way my father married my mother. Never. No, 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 no. Hallelujah. It's not possible. No. I can't. There are many things I, I, I went out of the way. And I decided I cannot do that. I can't marry my wife the way my, I cannot. In fact, there is no marriage example in my mother's house for me to copy. I have 
to study the Bible and pick it from there. No. The only person that can teach you to marry well is God's word. The Holy Ghost and the word of God is the only one that can teach you. So you stand. What does the Bible say about your man? It's part of the blessing. Part of the generational blessing. Part of the generational blessing. Don't be a successful CEO and be a bad husband. Keep it. Let it work. Amen. God loves the family. So it's a blessing. We are going to talk about that one. Yesterday, part of the stolen blessing, I'll show you. Part of the stolen blessing. You'll see that. The fact that you are anointed does not mean you'll be a successful husband. The anointing and be a successful husband are on two different routes. Don't ever deceive yourself that because you are anointed, you automatically can marry well. You, no, 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 no. Because marriage is not a gift of the spirit. Look at Sam Isaac, anointed man of God. She's so anointed that he doesn't need to fast to release anointing. He has to eat. Me and you, eh? <laughs> we must fast to release anointing. Isaac is heavily anointed. When he eats, he charges. Me, I have trained myself early days when God called me. I don't like to eat heavy and preach. I always prefer to, 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 sometimes I'm coming there, my wife will tell, mommy tell me, you are going to preach. Just eat something. I say, no, okay, I, I don't want to. I, so, every time, I, if I have to break my fast, it's after 10. I have to eat something very light. And sometimes at 10, you can eat heavy, so some salad, and then you sleep. Because I'm not used to preaching heavy, eating heavy. But I've, I have some pastor friends. One day, one of them were in a meeting, is going to eat. We went to a restaurant. I saw, uh, Osofu is going to, Osofu will be preaching this night too, so we can't eat. What about? I said, no, 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 hey. The, the preaching is a Juma, you need food to do it. The man ate. I was shocked. And he preached. <laughs> he carried Isaac's anointing. Now, watch this. Look at the whole picture I painted to you yesterday. About a woman going to kill a, 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 a goat and removing the skin of the goat and wrap it on his son, preparing a crantier soup like Ojai soup, it's another level. Now, all these things you are seeing here, God is in the center of it. And it's as a result of one, a bad headship of a home. Anointed, bad headship. Number two, divided home. Number three, lack of confidence in a husband. Let me run a little commentary. When Rebecca was carrying Isaac, sorry, Esau and Jacob, according to the Bible, he said there was a struggle in her womb between the children. I have never seen any woman say that for some reason. Rebecca finds out that the two children are struggling in the womb. It's another Hebrew word for like they were fighting. So he went to inquire of the Lord. She wanted to find out why is that kind of struggle. Number one, he has never been pregnant before. It was his first pregnancy. So the spiritual dimension of it, if you have been pregnant before and the second one is going that way, then you can say that ah, this particular pregnancy is different from the first one. What's going on? But that was his first one. But for some reason, he felt like there was some kind of lack of settlement and peace in his belly. 
So you went to find out. And the Lord answered her. God told Rebekah that two nations are in your womb. Two nations are in your womb. And God told Rebekah that the elder will serve the younger. Now let Apostle Paul wrote about it and said that. It is very difficult to question God about things. Because if, even the children were born with, when they were in the womb. Innocent. They have never committed anything. God said that. Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. I don't want to go back and read you that scripture. But what it is is that he said the sovereignty of the Lord. Nobody can question God about how he chooses things. That is why you shouldn't be envious of anybody God has blessed. Oh, I'm preaching. Watch this. So, before they were born, their destiny has been decided. He didn't say Esau will not be blessed. So he just said that. Esau, Jacob is going to be greater than Esau. Now, if I'm going to be greater than B, that's not me, he will not be great. You see, Esau even produces descendants and they call them dukes. I don't want to go there. The dukes were another thing. If you look at the blessing, God's mantle of blessing was with Isaac. He was the son of the promise. The Bible says, hey guy, which is also the promise from the flesh and Isaac from the spirit. But if you look at Hegai, he has also been blessed. Look at Saudi Arabia. Look at all the Middle East. Look at the oil and the blessing that go to Dubai. All this thing is from the Abrahamic line. So God didn't say that the fact that somebody will be greater than you, that somebody will not be great. But let me come back and tell you, show you this. So Rebecca now know the destiny of the children. If Isaac was a good, responsible husband, Rebecca could have told him. This is a lesson we should all learn with the woman we have married to. That for your wife to hide such a vital spiritual information from you, your matrimonial home is wrong. Now listen, Rebecca knows his husband so well that even if I tell him that the blessing is for the second born, she will still find a way to give it to the first born. So let me use tricks to get it. It means that if the guy's Isaac's wife was his friend living in a stable home and they are together, it's a matter of waking him up at midnight. He said, honey, I heard you say that you wanted to give the mantle of blessing to Esau. But let me tell you this. When I was pregnant, I went to Portis to do three days waiting. And during my wait, I had an encounter. The Lord came to me and told me that actually the blessing is for Jacob, but don't let us argue about it. You are the carrier of the blessing. Why don't you go and ask your God? Because your God speaks to you. He has been speaking to you all this while. I know that. So if you think I'm lying, don't you wait. Don't transfer the blessing. First. But let's go to the organ and ask him. That this is what my wife has said. I'm not too certain. Can you confirm it? And can you imagine God came and told Isaac that yes, what your wife said is true. Because you see, when the battle of Abraham and Isaac and Hagar was going on, Abraham, Sarah said, sack Hagar and his child from the house. Huh? I don't want this born child to live with my son in the house. Because you know, it is the same Sarah that orchestrated the thing. Now he said we should sack them. When the thing came, it, um, it came to the point to become a prayer point. So they have, God himself has to come and settle the matter. 
When God came to settle the matter, he told Abraham that, listen to your wife and let Hagar and Ishmael go. By the time God said that, you could see, the next day Abraham told them, he packed things and gave them gifts and said, go. God promised Abraham that, you don't worry about that guy. I will bless him also. Because he comes from you, I will bless him. And God actually blessed them. So, Isaac should have lived with the family. Number two, apart from that, he has divided the family. Obviously, he decided to love his firstborn, Esau. And then, the woman who didn't want it to look like Jacob is hanging and the father doesn't like So, obviously, there was a picture in the house that Isaac doesn't like Jacob. And the mother decided to pick him. So, the two of them has divided the house. It was like two-two. Esau and his father, Isaac and his mother. You see this one talking? This one is not talking to this. To the extent that, listen, the division was so strong that one day, Esau came from hunting. Isaac has done some tombran. And to get your brother something to eat, he said, give me your birthright. So they were living in a house and nothing was free. You can't take this one dress and wear. Like normal people live in a house. This one cannot touch this one's food. If you have to get something from your brother. And as a result of bad parents. But anointed. This is why all the tongue wagging and the, uh, this uh, bagaboos about, I want to marry a pastor. Be careful. No, don't ever. Listen, don't ever try to marry a pastor, a pastor thinking. I thank God for an email a lady sent to me. He said that, I, I, he said, I've always known, even though you have opened my eyes to the foundation of my background, but I've always known that something wrong with my background. But I thought when I marry a pastor, I'll be free. He married and he divorced. Because. <laughs> Don't ever make a mistake. No, 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 no. The fact that somebody is a pastor that somebody will be a good husband. They are two different things altogether. The principles that make marriage work eh, is not part of the package of the anointing. The fact that you are anointed does not mean you can stabilize your home. It's a different thing. That one comes by knowledge and commitment and sacrifice. I've mentioned three things. Knowledge, commitment, sacrifice. So, don't ever deceive yourself to think, eh, and then, eh, eh, I'm going to marry a pastor. When I marry, eh, oh. And some of you, when you see the way pastors introduce their wives. Don't think the introduction is a sign that the matrimonial home is peaceful. Can you welcome the only sugar in my tea? Welcome the only mosquito in my net? Welcome the only uh, housefly in my cocoa? And they say, let's welcome us of mommy, Obolobobos. And then he said, and he waved. Then you are sitting there, Lord, when am I going to marry a pastor? Man, tell you. So try what you answer the introduction, Holy God. No. In fact, let me tell you something. A lot of pastors have bad marriages. A lot. Don't ever deceive yourself. A lot. Bad marriages. Cover with anointing. And show off. The thing they present is different from what is at all. Totally different. They are not romantic. They cover it with spirituality, but they are not really spiritual. Because if you are spiritual, you'll be romantic. It takes spirituality to feel the passion of another person and say, the way I'm treating this person is no good. It takes spirituality to do that. If you are not spiritual, you would defend yourself thinking that you are special. You see, a lot of even pastors think they are special, so their wife to treat them special. 
They've taken the pastoral authority home. So they are pastors in church and pastors at home. You have to be pastor in church and a husband at home. No. And that's why I'm saying that knowledge sacrifice. Knowledge sacrifice. And what? What's the last one? Commitment. You are committed. Amen. No. I'm doing a fasting. My wife is celebrating his birthday. It is something we have settled it over the girl. Do you want me? Do you what do you think? Should we stop the fasting? Celebrate your birthday? No, no, no. You can't do that, boy. Now, every year, I know it. There is a sacrifice from her. But I have a way of compensating her. I will do it after I finish God's assignment. I, I don't, I, will, I have never used my busy schedule in the ministry to deny them of what they have. Even what I'm not able to give during this time, I will bring the compensation when I have the time. I do it. And over the years, it has worked. I live in my family like we are friends. That's how we live. We are friends. We are my daughters. We are friends. We are friends. I'll correct you. I'll do this. We are friends. We move. Amen. The anointing is not the question. Let me tell you some generational blessing. We cannot talk about generational blessing where our families are divided. It's useless. You come to the place to understand that all the money you are looking for, everything you are looking for, I don't know, the, the pivot, a point out to the family you have raised. Because success without a successor is equal to failure. All this fasting is not just for us to be blessed alone. God is preparing us for something. That's what the blessing God gives you. But God has a higher agenda. No. Peter, it's not a matter of giving Jesus your boat. I have a higher agenda. I have let you catch fish, but I'm preparing you to catch men. So Peter catch fish that he couldn't pull. But on his first crusade, he catch men that he couldn't even disciple them. 3,000. The next one, 5,000. Can you imagine 2,000 plus years ago, somebody does a crusade, and when he made an attack of 5,000 people gave their life to Christ. Jesus said, from today, you will not catch fish, but you catch men. So Jesus said, every time, forget about your blessing. God knows that you want a car. Those things are small things to God. Hallelujah. There was many years ago when I married, I got my first car. I sleep inside the car. I left my wife in the bedroom. Midnight, I'll come and sleep there. I'll be speaking in tongues. I will wax the car. I'll wake up. I'll wash the car for one hour. When I finish, I tie it and I cover it up. No, you are laughing. 20 years ago, cars went up. What are you talking about? You're a pastor, you got a car. BMW, I'm telling you. Hey. I went to washing bed to learn how to wax a car. Oh, the idea the time you say, do a chivun wax. I can wash the car, it becomes a mirror. Hey. <laughs> Lord, thank you. Today, oh. <laughs> it's not even a point. I'm not even thinking about it. One day, mommy was driving the car. You go to a filling station to buy a very nice car, and then the car couldn't start. Computer, some of them, modern cars. I said, Leave it and come. I said, I'm sending somebody to pick you now. He said, What about the car? I said, Hey, you are talking about the car? No, you are more important than the car. Leave the car, then come. Call the company, call, call Range Rover, let them go and pick it up and come. Amen. No, those days, I will say inside, kill me and the car before. <laughs> so some of the things that you are, you are thinking that, hey, you get to a place, you say that, oh, 
these things. God will bless you beyond those things and you will see that, oh, I dare wear me dead. That is why you don't need any man to sleep with you to give you a phone. Not here too. No. You go and commit fornication and pick all kinds of demons because of Nokia. Don't worry. When the blessing started, some of the things that you are chasing, it will chase you. You don't need it. Hallelujah. When you come to the place and God blesses you, all the things that you are chasing, that's why I can't understand why you have to follow somebody's husband to buy you. Uh, what, what is the name of the car they use for Uber? Uber. That's much, much more cars. I saw that the Uber cars are also much, much more. Kia Picanto. Somebody just pick unto you and just buy you something and then by the time you know, oh, Jesus Christ, you take your time. Oh. This minister, people will give cars like hampers. Oh. People are going to be blessed in this family all over the world. If you call yourself a portelier, you are going to be blessed. If you put that name on your head, something comes upon you. By the time Israel was leaving Egypt, they were, almost all of them are millionaires. Transfer. It's called wealth transfer. God, he has not stopped doing that. He transferred the wealth of Egypt and put it in the hands of the Hebrews and let them move. Wealth transfer. Do you remember the scripture? It said, oh, uh, uh, the wealth of the wicked is laid down for the righteous. So God can take. The only problem is that after the wealth has come to the righteous, the righteous must not be wicked. That's why God punished Israel. I, I drove this nation because of their idol worship and I gave their land to you. Why do you go there and serve idols? Then you defeat what I've done. So God can bless you for you to misbehave because he took it from other people and gave it to you so that they will learn a lesson. Now you will become like them. So there is a justification for God's punishment for them. These nations are serving idols. I drove them. I wanted to utterly destroy them and I gave you when they used to start serving idols. There was a difference. Amen. So, after God bless you, don't backslide. The blessing is not for you to be proud. It is useless for you to be blessed when God is not a shareholder. What do you mean by God becoming a shareholder? You are investing in the kingdom. We are possessors of everything, but stewards of nothing. That means that because of the statement, what did you have that you did not receive? It means that if everything we have we receive in there, everything we have is for God. He said the silver and the gold is mine. It means that the money in the central bank of Ghana is for God. It's not for President Kufuado. The money in the central bank of... That's why even when Trump wants money to be released, it must be approved. It, doesn't, it means that God controls the money. Now, the reason God controls the money is that he has your breath. So no matter you claim you are rich, if God pulls his oxygen, your money is useless. Once God pulls his oxygen from the riches, the person dies. So whatever you have, you have it for the benefit of others. Now, this is what God does. When God finds out that you can distribute it, he gives you. America became blessed because of their giving culture. Every nation that is struggling, America will go there and support them. So when God find out that, even some of the people, have you noticed that there are some billionaires in the world, they are not Christian, but they are philanthropists. Yeah, some of them have built big, big things for nations. They've done things. Just because God find the people that when he put it in their hands, 
it will be extended to other people. God hates stingy people. She wrote it throughout in the Bible. Stinginess is very dangerous. Amen. They themselves don't use it. They, you check every stingy man. Even what he's buying to eat himself is a bad day. It has become a den for Nkura. They are just there. Everything is there. It's just stinginess. There are people like that. They, 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 they are so stingy, they become stingy to themselves. Once God finds you, release it, and you will be testing you. He will be testing you and testing you and testing you and testing you. Ah, so he gave Abraham money because he know that this guy, the way he didn't spare his son, if this man can give me his son, what kind of money can't he release? So he swore to bless him. So just make yourself a giver. Pray for the giving grace. And pray for the sacrificial grace. It's another thing to be a giver. It's another thing to enter the realm of sacrifice. That means that you can give all and don't have anything reserved and look into God. You check every company or business in Ghana that has survived for years. Check the founder, either the mother or the father. He's a giver. And also check the people where they've done something in the house of God. Those people were not as spiritual as we are because of the kind of churches they enter. But some of them, they roof church buildings. They build church buildings. And as a result of that, God made sure the word goes to their children. So we as a generation, if we don't follow, the Bible says, uh, follow them who through faith and patience, they did it, they distributed it. If you are here, you see God start giving you money. Make sure that you find a way to channel the money. A certain percentage can go. For instance, me and my family, we don't spend on ourselves more than we spend on God. It's not possible. It's a covenant from the time we marry. It means that if we buy a car 10,000 Ghana cities, we must make sure before the year is we give God 20,000. We can calculate at the end of the year that we have spent more money on ourselves than what? To the extent that when people give us gifts, we pay tight on it. So if this man comes to give me a car as a gift, and I find the price of the car, I must pay tight on the car to secure the car. Let God find you as a kingdom treasure. Amen. Let God find Find something doing. You know some people we are talking about foundation and things like that. The foundation. So, mommy, there are people who are not part of our family. They are not porters. They say somebody brought a cement here early morning around four o'clock to three. After that, we don't know the person. When he came here, he said, Me, I've never been here before. Where do you load the cement? He was following a 20 footer container and came. He said, I dear we have Papa Ipriti. I have found a solution to my trouble. How the altar stop people from acting on what they have to act on. When they really want to pin you down and finish you, they make sure you rebel against God giving you revelation. Stand to your feet. <laughs> 
God bless you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this message. For further inquiries, contact World Prayer Center, PO Box GP21421, Accra, or telephone plus 233-303-413-703 or plus 233-303-413-705. Email us on info at wpcministries.org or visit our website at www.wpcministries.org.